1: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify, and of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined as always by my co-host Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show. We're excited
2: to be back. Andrew, how you doing? Very good. Yeah, it's uh, episode 1185. So of course, lots of different options. 85, right, Kyle? You get, you got Big Bob Tanyan. You you got uh, Max McGee. There, there's a guy whose career was cut really short who had a ton of promise named Terrence Murphy. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, him. I remember. Right, right before Greg Jennings, in fact, he was drafted the year before. Um, but we do have to talk about the Greg Jennings who was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. So controversial as he is, we're, we're going to leave episode 1185 as dedicated to one Mr. Greg Jennings. Uh, but I am coming hot off of a vacation in San Diego. In fact, I got in less than 24 hours before recording. So um, maybe a little bit exhausted getting back used to to the central time zone, but do have to have a big shout out. There were, five different Packers bars in San Diego that I could find probably even more than that nice. thanks to some listeners for some helpful hints on that uh but a, a huge shout out for the hospitality in San Diego and the number of go pack goes I got while just walking down the street randomly uh, was pretty exciting so did you get to watch the bar
1: from one of those
2: did the you bar? get to watch
1: the game from one of those bars uh this last weekend
2: was that your i experience? did yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really fun a lot of energy a uh, lot of a lot of packer sports there were probably two or three bears fans that had okay. moseyed their way on in who sure. of course got real mouthy at certain parts of the game <laughs> and then uh, sort of sloughed off and blame right. the referees or whatever bears fans do yeah yeah sure okay well good i'm glad you had a good experience glad to
1: have you back on the central time zone um from someone speaking to you from the eastern time zone but good i'm glad you had a great time in san diego but uh you ready to jump into what we usually do here on fridays let's do it let's do it so of course We are back for another round of key matchups and X-Factors. As always, we're going to give you guys um, a little bit of a oh, let's say get ahead of ourselves here and talk about what's going to happen in this next game with this upcoming opponent, their uh, roster, and talk about which matchups are going to be tipping points in this game. And then, of course, we will share our X-Factor prediction for the coming week as well. Week 6 was another satisfying win, but beating the those bears at their place is always a little bit extra special. So we enjoyed that one. Uh, the Packers have got to be feeling pretty good right now, sitting atop the NFC North. And now we get to look ahead to this weekend and how they'll keep things rolling
2: against the Washington
1: football team.
2: Yeah. The footballers come in. Uh, and my first key matchup is going to be Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Matt Ioannidis versus the Packers interior offensive line. And so One of the things we just keep talking about, the the Packers (laughs) youth in the middle of that line is going to be facing probably their toughest test to date. This rotation is as good as it gets in the NFL. The challenge is going to be opening up some holes for Jones and Dylan, and then also keeping the interior pressure away from Aaron Rodgers. Lucas Patrick, John running junior Royce Newman have shouldered a large responsibility this year, and especially credit to Lucas Patrick who likely thought he was going to finally get into that full time starting role this year and then has to instead just continue to be the utility guy who always steps up when needed. Adam Stenovich has been so incredibly great, but this week presents as big of a challenge as we've seen. And I think, you know, when you when you talk about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, obviously that really high draft pedigree. And then also Matt Ionitis. I mean they they stop the run, they push the pocket, and they're gonna give you a bunch of trouble in the trenches so uh, yet another big challenge to face for for the young guns in the middle of this Packers offensive line yes
1: and so far they've really lived up to all those challenges that they've been given uh, this year but you're right I mean it's not a little thing for Lucas Patrick to step up and be that utility guy but He's playing a different role than he thought, but it's amazing to see how this really this unit has gelled and held together for this team throughout the first six games of the season. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick versus the Packers linebackers. And I think we've been pretty thrilled as a fan base, honestly, with how well Devondre Campbell has been playing this year. He's Pro Football Focus's top graded linebacker at the top. He's number one, which is totally insane uh, to comprehend as Packers fans. If you've been a Packers fan for a long time, you probably get on Pro Football Focus and you just scroll down into the 50s, assuming that's where you're going to find the Packers linebackers. But of course, uh, Green Bay has Chris Barnes and newly acquired Jalen Smith as well. And you're feeling pretty good about this linebacker group. But this week, They face not one, but two running backs in Gibson and McKissick who can hurt you on the ground and through the air. Gibson has been battling an injury all season, as we know, but all signs do point to him playing in this football game. And so you've obviously got to hope that your defensive line is going to help in the run game. But where I think this matchup is worth watching is in how well these Packers linebackers can limit the screen passes, the dump-offs, and those easy completions. To these running backs, and I think we'll see the linebacker group um, having to show off some of that athleticism that they've kind of added in these guys, and getting to the sideline a little bit more in this game. So uh, that's going to be a good test for someone like Jalen Smith to see if he can be an asset there. But I'm definitely going to be watching these linebackers in this game on Sunday.
2: Yeah, and you know you would expect with weapons like Gibson and McKissick that Washington would kind of force it to them at times mm-hmm. right feed yeah. them the ball but it's even more urgent given what washington's quarterback situation is that mm-hmm. they include those guys so the packers being able to have linebackers step up and and limit that production and we've, we've seen amos get involved in that a little bit as yeah. well yeah. Um, to be able to slow down those two is going to be really key in getting washington off the field I'm going to go with uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young versus Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner. And yes, I basically just picked the whole Washington <laughs> front four against the Packers nice. off the of line as my key matchups. And you want to know why? Because it is really incredibly important. This <laughs> this is by far Washington's easiest path to victory. And we've seen Rodgers face pressure for spurts this season. And despite the the Washington struggles, I think they actually posed the best pass rush The Packers will face probably all season. Wow. So, you know, pass rushes can completely derail the offense. So, to support the tackles, we're going to see chipping like we have pretty much the whole season. We'll see quick throws like we have pretty much the whole season. But I think the most important thing we can see is a strong commitment to the run game. And that's going to open up play action and allow Rodgers time to get downfield. This secondary has been kind of bad. They have the fifth worst... Uh, in giving up 40-plus-yard pass plays in the NFL, the fifth-worth rating. Mm. They have given up the most passing yards, period, and the most passing touchdowns allowed. So it's weird that I'm talking about establishing the run game, but <laughs> my philosophy is you have to give Aaron Rodgers some time to pick on that secondary that I just talked about yeah. by committing to the run. If you just go five wide and try to drop back all the time, don't utilize – And and I'm talking, you know, that that quick passing game is is just an extended portion of the run game. But you have to establish that to slow down those pass rushers. Otherwise, you're never going to have time to complete those deep passes, which we know the Packers have kind of struggled with uh, getting on the same page anyway. So I expect Washington to do what everybody else does, sit two deep safeties, just let their front four go. And in order to succeed against that, you're going to have to establish the run and the quick throws. And I'm going to talk about the
1: that exact thing when you're talking about the secondary there at a little bit more depth and a little bit more specifically, because I want to talk about Devontae Adams versus William Jackson III. And this is an interesting situation because the Bengals paid Jackson big, big money this offseason to be CB1 for them here in Washington. And I've always really liked Jackson and I thought he was a solid signing. I actually was kind of drooling at the possibility of somehow getting Jackson and Jair together here in Green Bay early in the spring before they took Stokes in the draft. But things haven't gone as planned in Washington. William Jackson is pro football focuses 108th overall corner. They've only graded 118 total, so he's off to a pretty tough start here with the football team. Obviously, it's early and things can turn around, Uh, but Devontae Adams hasn't exactly been taking it easy on anyone as of late. And I mentioned this last week, but Adams is at the top of the league in targets. Cooper Cup actually overtook him this past weekend, so he's second in the NFL and targets with 66 and he leads the league in yardage among wide receivers with 668 yards which is totally insane after just six weeks of football but one more really interesting nugget and you mentioned this earlier quickly is that the Washington football team allows the most passing touchdowns per week to opposing offenses in the NFL they rank 32nd in that category which is very very bad giving up 2.7 TDs through the air every week so It does, in fact, feel like a perfect storm here, and I just don't see a matchup with William Jackson being the thing that derails Adams, and I think he has a monster
2: game in this one. There's two things that I want to point out about what you said. I think think at the beginning you meant to say Washington signed Jackson from the Bengals, but— it what did I sounded, say? It sounded like the Bengals signed him, but obviously he came. Oh, with a, just wanted to throw that yes. out there in case you listen tomorrow, <laughs> and then you know, yeah. or, or you get called out on Twitter. The second thing <laughs> is the stat you gave. I am so stymied by. I don't even know what to say. You so Devontae Adams is averaging ten yards per target. <laughs> it's, That's. That's silly. Ten it's yards insane. per reception would be like, wow. Yeah. He's having a really great season. <laughs> right. Ten yards per target. Yeah. yeah wow. It's
1: totally yeah. insane. And as someone, I mean, I'm sure plenty of our listeners are Packers fans and have picked up Devontae Adams in their fantasy leagues. As someone who knows how dominant Devontae yeah. Adams has been for fantasy and for real football, how do you know, Andrew, how many touchdowns Devontae Adams has this season? Uh, it's not a lot, right? Like, probably th- two, three? Two. It's two, which is an unreal statistic when you look at, like, the game impact. Sure, like, whatever. But also, like, just like, I mean, this is not a fantasy football podcast, but the stats he's putting up apart from touchdowns. And you hear, like, Aaron Rodgers talk about how they need to be more aggressive in the red zone. And then you look and you're like, how does... How does Devontae Adams only have two scores with the way he's been tearing apart defenses? So, I mean, obviously they're finding other ways to get the ball into the paint. But my goodness, I mean, William Jackson seems like a good matchup for Devontae Adams just to completely keep padding these stats and what's been
0: an incredible 21 so far. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So do we want to get into X-Factors? Do we want to get into X-Factors, Andrew? Because this has been fun lately, right? (laughs) So um, if if you've been following us, we usually rag on ourselves a little bit and have some fun because usually our X-Factors end up in the trash can by the time we get around to talking about them the following Thursday. But we keep bringing them up from the week before because, honestly we've been right. So we're having some fun with this. And let's see, what do we, last week, you know, our picks were Rashawn Gary and Alan Lazard. So I'm going to turn this over to you to to talk about uh, Lazard a little bit.
2: Yeah, Lazard obviously had two really important plays in the game, the touchdown on a very creative offensive set. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur obviously utilizing that Aaron Jones motion. And I think Chicago got caught up in, looking at what he did against, I believe it was in the San Francisco game, and lost Lazard. But it's the skill set of Alan Lazard Mm -hmm. that makes that possible. Dropping your wide receiver down into that flexed, basically tight end spot uh, and running that play to him only works if the defense trusts that he might be in there blocking. And Alan Lazard has been just so phenomenal uh, blocking. And then also he had a, a really big... Uh, I believe it was a third down conversion for about 15 uh, earlier in the game and so yeah I mean I think that that was kind of what I was calling for a couple plays that that Alan Lazard was going to make that were going to kind of turn the the game on its axis and and I thought he contributed really well in those spots.
1: Yeah it's really interesting I looked up Alan Lazard and
2: PFF just to kind of see
1: like, you know, he hasn't been an incredible contributor in in the stat lines, you know, and those kinds of things the way that, you know, maybe a couple years ago we thought that he would become and he's become kind of a role player, but he has been such a great piece for this team and a blocker and his PFF grade for blocking just does not reflect how well he blocks for this team. If you watch the games, you're like, he's moving people. He's opening lanes, you know, and I think he has a very, very average blocking grade. So that's, it's one of those things we use PFF as a tool, but I mean, it just does not at all, you know, accurately reflect. uh, I I honestly
2: have to wonder if the Packers coaching staff trust Lazard on the inside more than they trust
1: Tunyon. You know what? I was just trying to decide whether or not to say that because I mean, this is not a bash on Tunyon, but like, two, three times, at least two. I think there was a third time where, like, you're like, what happened on the play that, like, you know, this this is a very efficient offense, and it's, you know, plugging along, plugging along, and then all of a sudden there's a play that's just completely broken, and, like, you're like what happened? And they show the replay, and you're like, oh, Tunyon got blown off the line. He's, like, three yards in the backfield before the handoff even happened. You know, like, so obviously it's been a rough go for Tunyon so far he's having a hard time as a receiver not getting the plays that he did last year and then but that's a piece that like you're looking at trying to get a new contract whether it's here or somewhere else but here like they value blocking like Matt LaFleur like dreams about guys like in the in the running game and blocking and those things so it's just hard for me to think man that he's solidifying himself as as a piece for this offense going forward but that was very apparent as a very minor part of this game on on Sunday that Tanyan just is not holding up even maybe as much as someone like Lazard, which is interesting. Yeah. So why don't you brag about Rashawn Gary? Okay. So here's the thing. So I was like, you know, really pretty with. I thought you went pretty deep with the Alan Lazard call. And so Gary was a little bit of an easier pick for me, but um, had a great game. PFF graded Rashawn as the Packers highest graded, defender on Sunday and the stat sheet didn't show it like I thought that it might I thought we'd have a couple sacks in there just way the you know the Bears offensive line was lining up but he affected the entire game and had five pressures on the day and Gary has just absolutely become a stud for this team and it feels like he has plenty of ceiling left to be reached as well which is just so so impressive Uh, continues to be just a very very crucial member of this defense but let's turn the page we've celebrated let's talk about our X-Factor picks for this coming Sunday.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with John Garvin. And I know I actually picked Garvin uh, earlier in the season. And, you know, he, he really I thought he splashed last week. I, I thought he showed some good stuff. But if you've been listening to me at all since before even the 2020 draft, I've been a huge fan of his. The good news is he's getting a lot of reps. He's already up to 150 defensive snaps this season. And I think he's going to have to be a factor in this game with Washington football team's offensive line playing really well. That's something that neither you or I happen to pick as one of our key matchups, but the the Washington offensive line is grading out, at least according to pro football focus really, really well. And the speed and bend off the edge is what made me fall in love with him Mm -hmm. as a prospect, but I've seen better hand usage, better counters, and even some power moves in 2021. His pursuit is really fun. And certainly that play watching him chase down Justin Fields uh, across the, all the way to the sideline on Sunday was a thing of beauty. And I really think he could have a, a impact Uh, this coming Sunday against the dancing Dan Snyder's. I absolutely
1: agree. That's a really nice call. And uh, uh, just a side note, it is interesting. Brandon Scherf is a little bit dinged up at guard for this team. And I know Cosme was playing really well. I believe he's also dinged up. So it looks like that side of the line is going to be one that maybe the Packers could expose, but the depth there, I can't remember the tackles name off the top of my head, but the guy who stepped in for Cosme has played incredibly well as well. So you're right. It's a it's a very good offensive line that they face this week. But I usually give you a hard time for your X-Factor picks. But I do really like this Garvin pick, Andrew. And, of course, we know that Preston Smith has been dealing with that oblique injury. And the Packers are giving him time to see if he can play this weekend. But even if he does play, I would imagine that Garvin gets extra time and he could be a big game Uh, for him as Washington focuses on guys like Gary and Clark. Um, But uh, this week, for myself, I'm going with Eric Stokes for my pick, and I think there's some optimism around Rasul Douglas and how he performed last week, but I'm going to assume that Terry McLaurin is going to play in this game. Of course, he's been dealing with the hamstring injury, and so we don't know for sure that he's going to be available, but there's a good chance that Stokes sees a good bit of McLaurin if he's able to go. And how well Stokes is able to hold up in that coverage is going to dictate a lot for this defense. We know that Kevin King returned to practice in a limited capacity on Wednesday. He was out there again today. So it'll be interesting to see if he and his shoulder are good to go for this game or if we get more Douglas on Sunday. But regardless, I'm putting an X factor on Eric Stokes because I think how he plays will be a linchpin for this entire defense.
2: Yeah, and I I like that as well. Stokes has looked a little bit more comfortable every week, and that's all you can ask of a rookie cornerback. You know, even Jair didn't look very comfortable during his rookie season, and so you see the traits. You see Stokes kind of learning from his mistakes Uh week after week, and and the big thing is it hasn't cost this team yet, right? Right, Like, he's been able to learn on the job, and not necessarily been the reason why they're losing games. So right. I, I think I think it's promising, and you know, for him to get a test like Terry McLaurin. Had, is is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. I think it probably helps Stokes to be able to go up against Devonte Adams in practice every day. Yeah, that's uh, true, And yeah. so you know, you're, you're seeing this young man start to start to see things click for himself, and I'm really excited to see what his development will look like the rest of the season, especially on Sunday. So good sure. call on that one. Just really quick, um, anything you know? Where where do you see the Washington football team path to victory? Uh, where I think the Packers will probably be favored this weekend. Um, how, how do you think the uh, football team can come out with a W on Sunday? I'm going to talk for a very short amount of time because I'm going to be
1: stealing something that you mentioned earlier in the show. And you talked about that defensive line in two different ways. You talked about the interior rush. You talked about the guys rushing from the edge. And for me, I really do think that there's turnovers here. And I don't know that they're passing turnovers. I think they're fumbles. Um, if I had to predict if there was a way that they were to stay in this game I think there's some strip sack potential and we haven't really seen the Packers struggle with this this year we had you know obviously the nightmare of a game against the Saints and then uh, you know the pick against the, the Bengals right but really nothing that derailed the team for just more than a drive right nothing that snowballed into momentum killers and things like that and this doesn't seem to be a team that should beat the Packers. You know, we, we always do this at the end because we can find ways that this is the NFL. Anybody can show up on any given Sunday and win. Uh, but for me, it's those kind of mistakes that could just, you know, the Packers shooting themselves in the foot. But you'll talk a little bit more because that that was your, your whole deal. And I completely agree with you that that's how it could happen.
2: Yeah, I, I just think from a Packers standpoint, having the right offensive game plan should ensure a victory here outside of some un- mitigated circumstances right like i think if if aaron Rodgers and matt lafleur get together and they say we're gonna get the ball out of 12's hands really quick we're gonna establish the running game if that offensive line provides any support at all i think the packers are gonna be able to sustain enough drives to stay ahead in this game just because i'm not real confident that the other offense is going to be clicking Mm -hmm. i do think that For Washington to win, they have to have long, sustained drives because I don't see a ton of huge plays coming, either created by them or really allowed by the Packers' defense. Mm. Could it happen? Absolutely. Everybody's always—you know, there's lots of home run threats in the NFL, and Washington has them as well. They have— you know, at kind of athletic tight ends, they have McLaurin, and they have the two running backs you talked about, but I do think it's those long sustained drives if they're going to score points. And then it comes down to, you know, if, if Washington can do that, and that's a big if it comes down to things like penalties and red zone efficiency. And the Packers have been atrocious on both ends of the red zone efficiency. <laughs> that's something that certainly they got to clean up, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think, you know, this is a game that Packers fans should be relatively comfortable with, but it's the NFL. And so who knows? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It should be a game that the Packers, you know, have in hand, but we do this every week because it is the NFL and anything can happen, but looking forward to a great game against the Washington football game this weekend.
2: Absolutely. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week. We're going to be staying up late, Kyle. Yeah, that's it's going to be a Thursday night time. game against the currently undefeated Arizona Cardinals. That's going to be a great game. Yes, and it will. I am going to be on no sleep. So <laughs> thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Oh, hey, oh.